One of my favorite days of the week, in addition to the Sunday, uh, is Thursday. It's because Thursday is kind of like what Friday is to you. It's the uh, last work day of the week for me. I take Fridays off, and then I get back into it um, in sermon prep on Saturdays. But uh, this past Thursday, I got to the office and grabbed a cup of coffee, and it was just delicious. Sat down uh, in my office and sat down in my nice, comfortable chair. And then I opened up my email. And then notice I received a, a couple of emails from guys that generally don't email me much, but I talk to quite a bit on Sundays. And the one email went like this. Hi, Pastor Craig. Hope you're having a fantastic week. Happy Father's Day this Sunday. Uh, I just want you to know, keep the, the sermon limited. I have a tea time uh, right after church. But that wasn't the only one. I'm getting a bad reputation, I think, here. Uh, then there was another one after that that said, hey, Craig, uh, happy Father's Day, and I just, I just want to encourage you to not go over on the service because my son and I are going fishing. So I, I, I feel this incredible pressure right now. <laughs> so uh, you'll, be, you'll be happy to know that I'm actually not preaching. I'm going to interview three dads. So, and some of you, some of you guys are smiling. I've never seen you smile in church ever. <laughs> A few of you were like, ah. We're going to be okay. Anyways, uh, if you're new to our church, we're in a, a series called Thrive. And if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 10, verse 10. And it's actually a seminal, it's a seminal verse by Jesus where he kind of he draws the line in the sand, so to speak, on, on why he came. There's these passages uh, where Jesus really clarifies his purpose in coming to earth. What's he about? Who he is? And he says this in John uh, chapter 10, verse 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's talking about the devil. So perhaps you're you're new to Christianity or maybe you're new to church and you're thinking, uh, you know, is this devil thing real? Yes, he's real. And his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy, whether it's our relationships, our families, marriages, you name it. That's what he wants to do. That's kind of, in a sense, when he wakes up on a Monday morning, that, that's, his, that's his goal for the year, okay? But then Jesus says this. Jesus says, this is what my goal is. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In some translations, it actually, it's a, it's a life abundant. So that's what Jesus Christ came to do. So for, for us, if you've said yes to Jesus as the Savior and leader of your life, that this promise is for you, is that you're going to experience on this side of heaven this rich and satisfying life. But what sort of the rub is, many of us, we don't feel that. We, we feel like it's not really thriving in this rich and satisfying life. If anything, it's surviving. It, it's almost like this, this uh, promise by Jesus is like this very idealistic, this very hollow, hallmark-ish kind of state, statement. Does he really mean that? And he does. So we've been seeking as a community to really dive in and look at uh, what it looks like to live this life, to actually not just survive, but to actually thrive. So over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at that from a variety of ways, and especially looking at it in, in the midst of the mess, the scribbles, if you see in the graphic, in the midst of the scribbles and the mistakes of our lives. How do we thrive? And the question that I, that I wanted to ask, or the angle I wanted to come at this morning is, as dads, uh, how do our dads thrive today in today's world? 
uh, with the demands and the challenges? Uh, how do they thrive, not only as guys, as fathers, but also in the relationship with, with, relationship with Christ? Because the fact is that in the American church, an average Sunday morning like this, women outnumber men two to one. And that's a problem. And it's a problem that a number of churches that I've talked to that really want to seek, what's the, what's the answer to that? How can we get guys more involved in our churches, more dads? Because we need them. We need you in our church community. For, for Maple Grove Covenant Church to thrive as a church, we need guys. We need men. And what's interesting is that there was a study done not too long ago, and the empirical data, data that came back is that the churches that are actually vibrant and growing, they have almost the same identical population of men as with women, uh, if not more. It's a very interesting variable. And, and, and of course, there's other variables too that, that helps to define that. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think there's something about church that for guys, it's, it's a challenge. And for them to thrive as followers of Jesus, because I think for many that when it comes to church, uh, for a lot of guys, they, they, it's like they got to sort of drop off their manhood at the, at the door as they walk in. Because we sing, we get, you know, we talk about emotions and things like that. And I, before I jump in and interview these dads, I just want to say to you guys, we need you here. We need you to be you. Uh, don't, you don't need to be anybody else. We need, to be, we need you to be who you are. Uh, your strength, your courage, uh, just your presence being here. You're a very important part of our church community. Uh, so I have the pleasure this morning to interview uh, three dads. One's a grandpa as well. Uh, Pete Alquist and Phil Ettinger and also uh, Bob Van Winkle. I'm going to ask them to come up this morning. Let's give them a hand. Got him? Yes, sir. Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the questions while I enjoy my rip your float. I just thought <laughs> I just thought that'd be really fitting. And uh, so we're we're kind of talking about this ahead of time, and and some of you know I, I have this tendency to ask questions kind of off the cuff, right, Vicky? <laughs> yeah. So the, these guys are kind of worried, am, am I, am I going to ask some follow-up questions that they have no idea that's coming? And I, I can't make any promises, but I'll, I'll try to stay true to the script, especially with the threats I receive in those emails. All right. <laughs> uh, I think first for you guys, just to introduce yourself. Uh, introduce yourself, uh, your family, spouse, uh, your age, and then your, your kids or grandkids. Our, our age? Yeah. You, you okay with cool. that? Cool. I'm fine with that. Okay. I'm Pete Alquist. And you don't have any grandkids, right? I'm not the grandpa. You can guess. Uh, Sonia Alquist is my lovely wife, a Baptist turned covenanter. Uh, and that was a big change. <laughs> she's, she's still Norwegian. I can't turn her Swedish, but we got her covenanter. Uh, let's see. My oldest kid is Hannah. In a week, she will be 10. She's wonderful. Uh, I have an eight year old son, Noah. He's a big sport guy. Uh, a six year old, Kaya. I thought that's where it was going to end, and then uh, a few years back, we ended up, we lived in the same house as Chad and Jen Good, and Jen had a baby, baby Auden, and so my wife got the old, uh, let's just do one more. So <laughs> we ended up with Nora, so we got a little two-year-old named Nora. Uh, my sister attends this church, and my dad and mom attend this church as well. Cool. Thanks, Pete. Awesome. Uh, my name is Philip Antinger. 
I was born and raised in kind of central Minnesota. Uh, I have a wife, Vicki. She's older than me. <laughs> uh, I have a daughter, Summer, who's 13. Uh, just loves life, loves friends. Uh, and I have a daughter, Natalie, who is 10, who also loves hanging out and playing with her friends. And we love Maple Grove Church. Cool. Thanks, Phil. My name is Bob Van Winkle. Um, I am the elder of these three. As you know, <laughs> I want to apologize for my legs. Uh, I needed to bring them along in order to get here. <laughs> uh, I'm 71 years old. Um, I have uh, a lot of children and a lot of grandchildren, hence the notes. Uh, this is symbolic of my college career. I always had a cheat sheet. And uh, in spite of that, I... Uh, my, uh, my oldest daughter is Crystal. She lives in uh, um, Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Uh, my oldest son is Dan. Uh, Crystal's 49. Dan is 46. Uh, I have a son, Brady. Uh, he is 39. I have a son, Casey. He's 34. And I have a son, Robert uh, Christopher, a.k.a. Robbie. He's 30 years old. I have uh, nine grandchildren, I'm blessed with nine grandchildren. Kelsey is 29, uh, and she's in um, um, Texas, uh, it's escaping me right now, exactly the city around Dallas. Uh, Carly is 24, she's in Devil's Lake. Craig is 17, he's a little cowboy, and he's up in Devil's Lake. Uh, Lauren is 14, uh, superstar soccer player, along with her sister Taylor, who is 11. Uh, and then Jackson is 10, um, he's our little brainiac. Emerson is uh, seven years old, um, she's our little diva, a little blonde, and always giving you this here. Uh, and then we have Hudson, Hudson is four years old, we call him Huddy Buddy. And uh, he's our, he's our uh, up and coming um, Hall of Famer. So, uh, and then, um, uh, the last edition is Sullivan Robert, 21 months, and uh, you'll hear him before this service is over with, I <laughs> In his own way, he was leading the music. Uh, and then I have a great granddaughter, and her name is Riley, and she's five years old. Nice. Awesome. Thanks, Bob. You know, it's, I, I did something similar like this a number of years ago at a different church, and one of the guys f forgot his spouse's name. It took him like a minute. So that was not good. You guys did, you did well. Okay. Written on my hand. Yeah. <laughs> my spouse's name is Christy. <laughs> <laughs> I know I had that written down here somewhere. Oh, yeah, right at the top. Oh, I, knew, I knew you forgot her oh, name. That's why here, I said that. Here, I just noticed he did have one cross out, and it was his how many years of marriage. Yeah, how, many yeah. years, how many years yeah, of marriage? Yeah. Actually, when I did all of this here, uh, documented this for today, it was an open book test. I had all the uh, all the birthdays right in front of me, and I only got 14 out of 15. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Casey's birth, uh, Casey's age that I got wrong. Um, tells you a little bit about me and my memory and my capacity to process thought, as you'll understand as I go along here. Christy is my wife, 35 years. Awesome. Thanks, Bob. All right, let's start with uh, how do you guys define fatherhood? I think for Pete and Bob, uh, as you have come to understand what it is to be a dad, uh, kind of give a response to that. What does it mean to be a dad? 
be a dad. Um, let's see, so I think where I come from with my value system here at the church and kind of what I've grown up with, it differs a lot from what society would expect from a dad. Uh, we've probably come to a point where like the Al Bundys and the Homer Simpsons are what we think of. When kids grow up watching TV, that's what they see. Dad's the guy, the goofy guy that you make fun of and yeah. um, you know, sits around and gets a beer belly. And uh, it's kind of disappointing that that's yeah. what people see. There's lots of really good examples of good dads out there. In this church, um, there's a lot of great examples for me to look up to. But uh, when I think of fatherhood and what that means, I think it comes down to being real with my kids, to uh, notice their differences and um, teach them according to their differences. Uh, when I'm real, I need them to see that I make mistakes. I, I want to be their Superman, but I also want them to see that Superman makes mistakes. Um, admit them to them. Don't feel afraid to apologize to them and say, I screwed up. Um, people screw up. And then that's a great example for them. Uh, another thing would be helping them understand what their spiritual gifts are. The, mm -hmm. the, the special things that God has given to each of them of how they can embrace the world. And uh, you talked about a holy discontent last yeah. week. Uh, recognizing something in the world that you think should be changed, needs to be changed. And as a father, I, I want to make sure I'm speaking into that. Yeah. Hannah, Noah, Kaya, Nora, this is what you're really good at. Um, I see this for you, and this is one option of way you could use what God gave you and not waste it, Yeah, I guess. So helping them recognize their strengths. For Thanks, sure. Pete. How about for you, Bob? Yeah, uh, fatherhood, uh, in my mind's eye, is a, um, and, and you alluded to it, uh, Pastor Craig, is it's a fraternity of men. Um, and I believe that when we see it in that light, um, that we sense a connectedness that we have with one another. Um, we are all broken in our own ways, and yet uh, when we approach it from a fraternity, uh, we, we will tend to lean on each other, and, uh, and we will lean into our problems because we know we have the support of each other. Uh, and we, uh, rather than skirting around our issues, we will um, uh, walk through our issues, as, as Craig has so eloquently spoke about it in the past Sundays. Um, so I see it first and foremost as a, as a fraternity. I see my role as, as when I say our Father, when I say the Lord's Prayer, uh, how do I perceive that to be? Uh, and so when I think of my children looking at me, um, what do I want them to think of? And I want them to see somebody who not only talks about being Christ-like, but lives in a way that they are Christ-like. Um, and for me, that's, uh, that's a big thing. Uh, and in doing so, there was a period of time in my life that I wasn't that way at all. And it was during my first marriage. And my, uh, we're, a, we're a melted family. <laughs> and... Uh, um, and I went through that valley. We just talked about walking through the valleys here in church. And I, I walked through that valley. And then uh, some uh, 37 plus years ago, I was spared that, uh, the relief from my own addiction to alcohol. And it was in that calling that I began to understand really what being a father was about and being, what a, being, a, being a man was. And, and the program that I invested myself in, or who drew me in by the grace of God, 
was a program called Alcoholics Anonymous. And in doing so, they brought me, they brought me in and they asked me to grow along spiritual lines and it was a, it was a, 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 a path to freedom. Uh, not only freedom from alcohol, but freedom from my own brokenness. And over the course of the last 37 years, uh, um, uh, little did I know, but I was given a reprieve for the rest of my life, a reprieve from that dark past. Um, and that is one way that I, that I can witness to my children. That's one way that I can be a father. And that's one of the messages that I can carry and that I would hope that they would carry forward to, to their children. Um, and so for me, uh, it's the beginning. The beginning of it is, is hope. It's about being a messenger of hope and being a source for hope and being a source for love. And for the first time in my life, I was capable of loving and I was capable of being loved. And uh, it was shortly after that that I met my wife, Christy, and uh, her and I became very intentional about, uh, about family. <clears throat> She'd come from a broken relationship, and so had I. And it was so important for us to, uh, to create this family and to surround this family with the virtues that were taught through our, through our faith walk. And, uh, and that's what I see fatherhood and I see the importance of a partnership and not only a partnership with my wife but a partnership with our church hmm. uh, and I know that when I come here I take notes all the time some of you might see me I got a little red book <coughs> excuse me and I take notes all the time and uh, I want to take these messages home and I want to put them into practice and I want to be able to share them with my family if, if need be um, I want to constantly, we're not static creatures, we never will be. I'm either going to be growing or I'm going to be going backwards. And I don't want to go back to that dark place. And so in that, I, I use prayer, we use prayer in our family. Uh, we surround our family with our church. And uh, a big part of fatherhood is, is being the leader in that spiritual journey. Uh, and I would ask all fathers here to take that on their mantle, uh, to boldly and firmly stand in front of your family and have the courage to ask them to follow you. Mm. So that's what fatherhood means. Mm. And uh, we talked this morning, it was 37 years of sobriety, right? Yes. Awesome. By the grace of God. That's awesome. All on and glory to God. Uh, Pete, you just mentioned on the sort of the, the, the symbols of uh, society's definitions of, of being a dad. Kind of talk about that, how being, being a, a father who follows Jesus in, in what we try to do here is different from what this, how society defines uh, fatherhood. How, how does such society define being a dad? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of really good dads. I, I get to go to a lot of sporting things, and so I get to meet a lot of other dads and see how they parent their kids, and it's always interesting to think about, oh, wow, he does this. That's really cool. That's a good way of doing that, or oof, I'm going to stay away from that one. <laughs> um, I, I think there's a tendency to make your child the most important thing in the world. Uh, 
more important than your marriage, more important than your relationship to God. Um, you want to spoil that child rotten. And uh, I think a lot of society thinks, yeah, that's, that's noble. That's yeah. a good thing to yeah. do that. That's the most important thing in the world. And the truth is it's not the most important thing in the world. It's yeah. a really important thing. Um, so I'd, I'd say for sure that value is something that I look at and I, I want to make sure as Sonia and I lead our kids that we're not putting them up on this totem pole where mm -hmm. they're entitled to everything. They're entitled to the best life. Um, that we're going to keep them from all the hard things yeah. so that they can be on this pedestal. Uh, yeah. I'd say that's a key difference for sure. Yeah, that's good. Phil, I just want to ask you a question, and this wasn't on the script. Uh, what, is, what does it look like for you to be a, a man who follows Christ? Well, because a lot of guys, you know, in the world, they're not, they're not looking to do that because they feel like there's a lot of things they have to give up to do that. So for you, balancing that being a guy, but then, you know, being vibrant and being passionate about Jesus like you are. Um, well, I think one of the big things for me personally, um, which is um, just being raised in a Christian home myself and then and, and being surrounded by a lot of godly men, not only... Um, within the lineage of my family, go to my grandparents and great-grandparents and that, and uh, seeing the way to live, the right way to live, but also receiving that and understanding um, the importance of living that life, a Christ-like life, and understanding what the benefits and the, and the great things you can do through Christ, but also what you can be to others who do not know Christ, and, and be that light um, that we need to be, not yeah. only as dads, but as men of faith within the church when we're working with other people's children yeah. um, and doing whatever we may do, but just being a, a Christ follower. And that was really, for me personally, which is such a blessing, was set up years ahead of my time, um, yeah. a family that followed Christ and led their lives through Christ. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you get around it? For, I think for a lot, of, a lot of guys when they come to church, perhaps the first time, they, it's hard for them because they, they, we talk about surrendering. Uh, we talk about weakness. We talk about being vulnerable. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that guys just don't kind of sit around wherever and, and chat about that. Yeah, correct. You know, uh, how, how, how would you help somebody through that, that, that to follow Christ and, and still, you know, embracing some of those things? Uh, I have a friend that I work with who's been a friend for years, and he's actually currently on his second. He's 35-ish or something. Currently on his losing his second marriage. Uh, he's got a few kids or whatever. But one of the things I, I've kind of told him is, and I, I learned this a, a few weeks back, not even really thinking about it, but I mean, first is God, number one. Yeah. God is number one. But we forget sometimes we go number two as maybe our wife or maybe our family. But really, number two needs to be ourself. If, if ourselves are not strong biblically or strong within ourselves and we need that other person to somehow mm -hmm. fill that void, things are going are gonna to fall apart. So I guess number two and more importantly for men of this day and age is you need to be right with yourself. You need to find yourself. You need to be strong within yourself because when you bring that to the table to your wife, you bring that to the table to your children, um, it's very important that if you're not strong yourself, things around you are going to crumble because you're going to be lacking those areas. So I've been really encouraging my friend, and I did it after his first marriage was, was falling apart too, is just you really need to... Yeah. When that happened, really, and he was, I mean, it was rebound instantly because he need, thinks he needed that void filled with something that was not going to fill that void. He needed to, I mean, first and foremost, have Christ. And he has asked questions, but I think, like you were talking about, too, maybe brought up, there's that fear yeah. of what that is. And yeah. then praising him at the good times, 
and it's hard to praise him in the bad times, and yeah. he's having a hard time with that. Yeah. When things go bad, it's easy to blame yeah, someone else for those for those things happening. So, and following that up, uh, who modeled fatherhood for you? So, as you became a dad, uh, what role models did you have in your own life? Well, it's kind of bringing it up. It's kind of the lineage uh, for sure, but um, de definitely on on this earth, uh, my dad has been a great role model. My parents have been married for. 40 some years, 45 years, something like that. And before them, they each have parents that were married for over 50 years. Mm. So, and uh, very important part of it. But yeah, definitely my dad, uh, he worked in the church all his life. And just, I, I think back, you don't notice that maybe you're in high school, some of you high schoolers, and there are some things happening that maybe your parents do, especially your dad. My dad was always the father figure. And there were things he did along the way. And it wasn't intentional, but it was out of love. It was things that I learned yeah. Um, without him having to lay into me yeah. and, and do certain things. It could be just, just vocalized through silent love. Yeah. And I, I think back to a story, I don't know if I should say it, but I'll say it anyway. I was probably <laughs> dishonest hour or something. Or just, bear with me. I was, I was like 14, 13 or 14 years old, um, and I, I like, had had a few cigarettes or whatever, but I was in our small town of Howard Lake, hiding in this little alleyway with a buddy. And how ironic is it? Now, this is a God thing. You know it now, but I didn't know it at the time. Mm -hmm. And we were having a, a smoke in this alleyway. And who knows, the second you light up, Dad drives by. <laughs> of course. Now, if you ever made eye contact with your father at the wrong time, this would have been one of those wrong times to make this, eye contact. And this is, so, this is like pre-GPS, right? This is definitely <laughs> pre-GPS. This is, yeah, God thing, obviously. <laughs> So he drives by, just drives by slowly because it's in a one-way, whatever street, and just small town. And I, I play the game of, I'm sure he didn't see me, there's no way I'm going to get in trouble for this. And I got home, nothing was said, I thought, oh good, you know, whatever. And the next morning I had, super funny, this pamphlet, I don't know where he got it or whatever, and it had like a dragon on the front. So I'm a 14-year-old boy, it said, it said at the top, just sitting by my bed. And of course, I didn't sleep that night thinking like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is the end. And he had put this pamphlet there and it said, 50 reasons why not to smoke. Wow. <laughs> I had a dragon on the front. It was very, it was funny. It was an awesome story, but it was just a way of my dad letting me know I love you and this yeah. is, I'm not, you know, I can't yeah. rip it out of your hand, but I, I love you. And it's just a great story. Little things like that my dad would do. And yeah. just, uh, even to this day, one of the great, great stories is, um, and I'll probably go down there today and see him, but anytime we go to a sporting event or whatever, he has never stopped paying my way. He always, <laughs> any of his children want to go do something with dad, whether his money's tight or whether money's good. Yeah. He's always um, um, done that. And just, just the, the, the love that he showed that was shown to him yeah. in, in the times before, which was, it was a love by God that was given yeah. to him that he has shared on. So. Life of generosity. That's good. Correct, correct. How about for you, Pete? Who modeled? Fatherhood. Yeah. Um, let's see. So probably most of the women out there started thinking about marriage and being a mother when they were two or three. I guess I started two hours ago when, you, when I finally read the email. Pete, could you come up here? Oh, fatherhood. No. Uh, for sure, the same as Phil here. I, I grew up with an awesome dad. He's not here today. I think he's, he's in Iowa for a soccer tournament for his grandkids. Just mm. like how I grew up, he never missed a soccer game of mine. You know, he never yeah. missed a tennis match. Um, so I, I consider myself incredibly lucky. I learned all sorts of stupid jokes, Oli and Lena, all those good things. <laughs> um, 
you know, the sayings like, measure twice, cut once, or <laughs> they'll never know if it took too long, but they'll know if it didn't take long enough. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing I got the girl I did. Cause yeah. Do you write these down? No. No, no, no. Publ- you can publish no them in a book or something. <laughs> um, so my, my dad was awesome. He really he was a teacher, so he was home during the summers for us kids. He'd be working in his shop, but... If we wanted him to throw baseball or come be the quarterback for the football game, he'd, he'd drop everything to kind of come be with us and spend that time with us and let us know that we are valued by him. Uh, and again, like Phil's family, uh, that came from his parents. And his, you know, at my baptism a few years back, one of the things that I mentioned was the importance of prayer in my family. My, my great-grandpa and his wife prayed for all their descendants every single day that they were alive. Uh, which is really cool, and I really feel like that God's honored that, and He's blessed our lives, and He continues to bless our the, as each generation comes. Uh, I didn't know my great grandpa super well. I knew him pretty well. I knew he was he was skiing when he was ten years older than you are today. So he, he's a crazy guy, but uh, great fatherhood there. Uh, I'm lucky enough to work with the youth, and so I get to see their parents working with them. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's the next stage for me. My kids are gonna. Well, I tell them not to get older, but they're gonna. So I, I see guys like Bruce Norby or Tom Lumberg or you know whoever, Dwayne Poff, Greg Johnson, and I, I get to admire them and see how they've done it and how they've grown these great kids. By the way, I don't think Riley Johnson's here today. Greg Johnson's son Riley's tomorrow. If you need a date, Target Field, yep. high school championship seven baseball o'clock. game, seven o'clock. Yep. Be there. Uh, <laughs> But anyways, it's been really fun to be able to be a part of these kids as they grow and watch from their parents how they've kind of let them loose and kind of let go and let them make their own decisions, let them make their own mistakes. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of fathers in this congregation here that I've learned a ton from. Yeah, and I think that's the gift of, of you know, the dads here, the older, the older dads that, like, like your dad, that, have, that model that. For the younger dads that, are, that perhaps didn't have a, a you know a, a dad, or maybe there's the alienation, and they they can look to the dads in the church and see how they do it. And I know your dad has had an influence on a lot of a lot of guys that way. Mm-hmm. So that's a great gift, um, Bob. As you look back, I think just for you to give advice to to our our guys out there in building a career, balancing family, balancing work, balancing kids' sports. Um, all those can, things, helping with math or whatever it is, uh, you know, about, and, you know, marriage, you know, marriage, and then, you know, all these things, yeah. stuff around the house you got to fix, mow the lawn, et cetera. Uh, how do you, you know, what advice would you give them looking back? You know, um, I think a big part of, of the advice that I would give to another man, um, you know, and I love what these guys are talking about because it's right down the center of what I believe in, um, is really about um, continual introspection, introspection into yourself, uh, uh, using a, a spiritual backdrop as your guide, um, and constantly um, encouraging yourself and encouraging those around you to move forward spiritually and to, uh, you know, those of us that have been shown the light uh, we're commissioned to go into the darkness and uh, we can't do that just sitting where we're at and uh, so I would ask you uh, to draw from the courage that the Lord brings to you 
and get outside of your comfort zones and extend yourself beyond what, uh, what you might be comfortable with. Or I don't know whether we can afford that if it's going towards a spiritual purpose uh, and it's going for the good of everyone uh, in our community, um, I would encourage you to, to get involved with that. Um, the other thing that I would say to you would be something along the lines of uh, uh, how to expand your language of love. Um, I was raised with a father who had one language, and that was the language of work. And it took me a long time to feel that and to understand that and to, to embrace that as, as how much he loved me. There was a period of time when I was very confused about that. But we were dairy farmers, and uh, we got up at uh, quarter to five in the morning, and, and Dad come home at seven o'clock at night. And the best he could do, given the expenditure of energy that he'd experienced during that day, was to uh, was to eat and go to sleep and prepare himself for the next day. And so, for a long time, I didn't have conversation with him. These guys talk about having. Uh, friends that uh, or family at their athletic events. I didn't have that simply. I was somewhat of an athlete, uh, but I didn't have that because dad didn't have the time to do that. Dairy farming, you milk every day. You milk twice a day every day. Uh, and so, um, you know, just that I love you and the embrace mm -hmm. and, and the physical contact, the physical need yeah. that men have is, is so underrated yeah. in our society. Um, and to be able to extend that and to your children is just, it's a profound thing, I can tell you that. And the first time I hugged my dad was right before he got ready to die. Mm. First time in my mm. life that I ever hugged him. And it was the most awkward experience for both of us. And yet, <clears throat> when I got done with that experience, I sensed a fulfillment inside of me mm. that was, uh, I wasn't hungry for that, I was starved for that. And that has nothing to do with my addictions or anything. That's not at all where I'm taking you to. What I'm saying is just expand yourself and, and, and walk into those, uh, uh, fill those empty spaces between you and your children, between you and other men in our community yeah. and in our church. Yeah. Uh, step into those spaces and say, I want to be a part of this. Um, that would be the best thing I could say. That, that's the thing that I benefited the most from. Uh, yeah. Christy and I both taught Sunday school for a number of years. We were youth leaders in our church uh, back in Aberdeen, South Dakota, five years ago. We took a group of uh, 26 kids to the Youth for Christ Super Conference in, um, uh, during the DCLA movement. Um, and uh, we just did that because it was the right thing to do and because, uh, not because we necessarily had the whole spiritual wherewithal, but I can guarantee you that everything that went out came back tenfold for us. It was a phenomenal experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's so much available here in this church, and uh, we really encourage our children to become involved and to step into those gaps and step into those empty spaces that, um, that will accumulate to, to the fulfillment of the church that, uh, that we're blessed with here. Um, and this is a phenomenal experience. We just came over here from Open Door uh, two and a half years ago, and uh, we felt connected right from the get-go. Uh, you know, we sat behind Bruce and his, his wife and his kids, and he teaches me every day. You know, they pray together, and they're close, and they're tight, and mm -hmm. keep drawing together. Mm -hmm. um, there will come a time when, when, when your children leave, and you have to just gently allow them to go their way. 
but you'll always be a parent, trust mm -hmm. me. You'll mm -hmm. always be a parent. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Let's give these guys a hand. <laughs> awesome. Great job. Thanks, Pete. Phil. Oh, it was so good. We should keep, keep going on. Um, let me uh, pray, and at this time we're going to receive this morning's offering. God in heaven, uh, Father, you model to us in the scriptures what it is to be uh, a dad. So I pray for the dads in our congregation um, that they're not perfect, they make mistakes, there's scribbles, there's messes in their lives, but to keep, as Bob talked about, taking that step forward. And I pray for all the guys in our church, regardless of their dads or not, uh, for them uh, to be a man and uh, follow Christ. And as they do, uh, that they would experience this rich and satisfying life that is made available in Christ Jesus. Bless our tithes and offerings. This is our act of worship to you. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody said, amen.